Well, guys, coming to you a little, well, very late, really, this week. Pretty, pretty late, uh, but fear not. Uh, we're still here. John we're, uh, and Tom, we're still here. John Tortorella is not here no. anymore. Jason Kidd is not here anymore. And we have a lot of things to talk about. It's been a very, very, very busy week. But we're going to jump in and start right there. I know, Tom, you probably have a lot you want to say on this. Sure. So just jump right in. How do you feel, first and foremost, about Tortorella? Tortorella, uh, as we talked last time, caught me by surprise. I was in the camp of John Torrell is going to be back because, you know, excuses built in of the lockout and, you know, he was very successful and all that. It seems like it was a very well-hidden problem within the locker room that John Torrell was not well-liked among the players on the team. Apparently. You know, and I think it maybe speaks to the the character of the players on the team. Guys like Callahan aren't going to go and throw their coach under the bus and they're going to keep everything in-house and they did a great job of that. But... As evidenced by his, you know, current employment status of unemployed, John Tortorella right. uh, had some problems, and it's very interesting. I, you know, initially, the first reaction is, okay, who who are they getting to replace him? You do something right. like this, you know, where does that lead you? But in a vacuum, just looking at the firing itself, I get it. You know, the problems I was bringing up last week about, you know, the power play has been terrible. The, the Rangers mm-hmm. are unable to, to really accomplish anything offensively unless it's by a mistake or a really inferior opponent. They need to fix that, and that falls on the shoulders of the head coach. He didn't do anything to address that in four years. So right. that that's a big referendum on him, and I think, very honestly, the, the biggest axe in the back of John Tortorella, because remember, he signed an extension during the season. He got a three-year extension on his contract, so he wasn't a, a lame duck by any stretch. Right. I think the biggest axe was Henrik Lundqvist was not happy. And you need to make Henrik Lundqvist happy. Absolutely, because he's a free agent next year, and you want him back yep. more uh, so than the coach. And obviously, it's the old adage, you know, it's easier to replace one guy than it is to replace 20 and yeah. whatever it is. It's also easier to replace one guy who's maybe had a little bit of uh, a cold streak success-wise than the best goaltender in the NHL. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what what more can you say about it? But it was kind of shocking, mm-hmm. pretty much to everybody, by all accounts, everything I was hearing, everything I was listening to. It seemed to transpire very quickly within a 24- to 48-hour period. Yeah. And I think it goes to everything you said. It, it was the the best-kept secret that he wasn't well-liked. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of the conference call you heard with Sather when it, when it first came I down. I guess in the transcript, yeah. Yeah, I had listened to a lot of it on the radio, and, um, you know, he was very non-committal. He was very dodgy, which was a, a classy move. Yeah. Because you don't want to throw the guy under the bus, make it hard for him to get another job. Listen, everybody knows... Tortorella stuff. Yeah, his strengths, Everybody his knows what he does. Again, it's like what we were saying last week about Rex Ryan. Love him yeah. or hate him, that's his style. That's what he's going to bring. So it's no secret that he's abrasive and he can offend some people. But I think Sather did a nice job. He was very much just like, oh, well, I'm not going to get into specifics. And, you know, we decided to go our separate ways, and it kind of just is what it is. That was basically the tone of his whole yeah. press conference. And, I mean, I mean Sather is basically bulletproof. He's the only guy... In New York, that never has to come on the radio, never has to do interviews with anybody. He would be Isaiah Thomas if Isaiah Thomas didn't have his whole affair know, and affair all that whole thing. It's true. Thing, it's you know. true. I, I I don't understand it. But anyway, enough about that. It's over and done with. How do we move on from Tortorella? There's been some big names floated out there, some big Ranger names floated out there. Yeah. What do you think? So the thing that Tortorella did very well is establish and, and sort of continue a defensive culture that was very solid. Right, uh, Tom Rennie established it after the lockout. Frames were a very good defensive team. 
Uh, Tortorella took that maybe even to a further extreme, and now you have that core there, and you have those players who know that style. So you look to guys who can go and now expand upon that. Mm-hmm. You have this good defensive system. Let's see what we can do by throwing in some offense now. Let's see how we right. can start to break from that at the right opportunity. So the the sexy names that are out there that people are very interested in are Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, I'll also throw in uh, that they've gotten the permission to speak to uh, the former Vancouver Canucks head coach. Uh, I want to say Vigino. I haven't heard his name pronounced, so I don't know how it's properly pronounced. I think yet. that's it, actually. I think but you it's, it's it. French Canadian, so I'm assuming that's <laughs> it. Um, and I believe Eakins was the other one. Uh, so those are two other names that are in the, the, the pot. But we'll start with the people that everybody knows. The sexy ones, yeah. also for for you know hockey fans and Ranger fans, especially. So. Yeah. Mark Messier, former captain, only got to raise the Stanley Cup in the last 70 years in New York. Uh, in New York City. Which I'm told means something, yes. by the way. You know, yes. if you win here, that's like a big deal it's or important. something. Uh, he's also won, coincidentally, for Glenn Sather, right? Right. Glenn Sather was the GM of the old Oilers dynasty. Messier was a big part of that. So there is a relationship there beyond just Ranger history. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, same for Wayne Gretzky. He's the other name that's being thrown around. Now, the difference between the two, and it was interesting to me, is Wayne Gretzky actually has been head coach in the NHL for a few years. Right. He coached the Phoenix Coyotes. They weren't very good. But I don't know how much you put on Gretzky. The team wasn't talented. Mm-hmm. Um, they did get pretty good after he left, but I think that's more a circumstance of players becoming better than Gretzky not being competent as a coach. But what the Rangers have right now is a team that needs to win right now. Messier, Very small window. Messier is a rookie, or would be a rookie head coach, and you put him in a situation where he needs to do something he's never done before, never done before on any level, let alone a professional level. I think he coached like two weeks in like an international tournament somewhere. but. Right. Now you're asking him, you need to go win a Stanley Cup this year, period. Yeah. Even when he showed up as a well-established, great hockey player who won multiple Stanley Cups to Edmonton and knew what he was doing, it took him two years to win the Cup in 94. He came to the team in 92. Right. So to throw that on his shoulders and say, oh, he's Mark Messier, he'll figure it out, it's a little ambitious. It's I'm not very, crazy about it. It's very difficult to be a first-time coach, obviously, anywhere. Yep. And when you're dealing with the added pressure of in New York, any sport, forget about the NHL, it's yeah. very difficult to come here and succeed having never done it before. Yep. Because there's a whole other thing. And obviously, I guess a little diminished with hockey because it's not covered the way some of the other sports are. Yeah. But you've never dealt with the media. You've never dealt with uh, you know all the beat reporters and all these guys that are in the locker room every day. You've never dealt with that at yeah. all. And now you're dealing with hordes of them. Because yeah. we have more here in New York than they do pretty much anywhere else. That would be something that I would watch out for Messier. Also, you know... I, I, like you said, he's beloved here. Yeah. He was a great player here. He raised the cup here. Yeah. He has a great rapport with the franchise, with the fan base, with the team. And if he comes in and sucks it up, yeah. all that's going to go away. Those yeah. good feelings are going to be gone. And it's going to take a long time to get them back. We've seen it with, you know, years ago with some of the Yankee managers. Yogi Berra didn't talk to George Steinbrenner for 100 years. Yeah. So you have to be careful of that. I think that's something else... Just, you know, because all co- all coaches are hired to be fired, and yeah. sometimes it's not very nice on the way out the door. And that's just something else, obviously, way down the road. But do you want to go down that road if you're not sold on what the guy can do because he's never done it? Yeah. I think the legacy thing is definitely something that uh, Messier will go and, and, you know, be sort of stubborn Mark Messier and say, I can do it. I'm going to do it. You right. Know? And, and that's to his credit. You know, he's had a lot of success of doing that in his life. The thing that I think the Rangers really need is somebody who's an X's and O's coach. Messi hasn't right. done that, and Gretzky was not very successful when he was doing that. Right. You're coming from a system where the coach told you to try really hard, and it helped. You know, in certain <laughs> instances, they were great at blocking shots, they were great at playing defense, where effort really matters. 
But when it comes to strategy and offense, they, they suffered. Vigino, coming from Vancouver, was a very successful offensive coach with a good team, a lot of talent. And he got the most out of that talent because they were able to construct a system. Vancouver has consistently had a good power play. Right. They've won the uh, the president's trophy. Trophy to the team, the best record, a couple of times under his tutelage. So he's a guy, to me, I think he's the best fit. I think he's the best coach on the, on the market. Makes a lot of sense. He went and never won a cup because he had Luongo kind of, you know, mess up in the playoffs. They right. cost some championships. And you take your chance with Henrik Lundqvist that he's not going to do that. So... That, to me, is the guy I want. I would love to see, you know, maybe some other names pop up in this process. I'm not sold on Messi. I'm not sold on Gretzky. I love the history and all that. I think it's a publicity move if it's one of them and not the best thing for the team. Right. It's the sexier pick and yeah. not the maybe the smartest pick. Yeah, it's appeasing the, the fans who don't really know the game. And that's not why you make the decision. You make the decision to win games. Yeah. And I think the best chance to win is somebody who has that experience. Although I will say this, uh, you know, coming from somebody who doesn't have his, have his hands on it the way you do, mm-hmm. but... um. You know, Sather was talking a lot, again, in the conference call about, look at the teams that are still playing. He kept referencing that. Right. Look at the teams that are still playing for the Cup, and look what they do. And by and large, they're teams that can score the puck. Yep. They're teams that are aggressive and strong on offense. Yeah. And I think that uh, the defense-first mentality that we talked about ad nauseum here in the brief time that we've been together doing this is something that he wants to move away from. So I think that kind of bodes well because it seems like he has a finger on the pulse of what his team wants and what his team needs. I think he realizes that there is a window. Yeah. I think he realizes that there is some offensive talent. They probably need a little more, yep. especially if Brad Richards is going to be gone or if he's not the player anymore I that think he once was. I will say as an aside, I think he's gone now to Tortorella. Tortorella was his advocate in the locker room, yeah. and I can't imagine they're going to bring him back now because you know that's really yeah. I think that ship has sailed. Well, they asked him that too. They, they did ask uh, Sather that as yeah. well, and he, he, he was very noncommittal on that. He said, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll address that when we, when, we, yeah. when we come to it, you know, after the draft and all those other things. Like, whatever, you yeah. know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I would I would have to agree with you that just you don't want to make the decision for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Because that stuff will energize a franchise for 10 minutes, yeah. but it is not sustainable if you're not winning. Yeah. And that's what you got to be careful. I mean, Messier might be great, Gretzky might come in and do a nice job, but I think you have to do your real due diligence and kind of figure it out. Yeah. You need guys who are great coaches, and that doesn't necessarily happen when you were a great player. When you're Wayne Gretzky, you don't really know how to articulate necessarily why you're so good. Yeah. <laughs> you're just that good. And a coach needs to be a good communicator. I'm not sure. I, you know, it yeah. scares me a little bit. I don't want to go down that road. That's true. How come you can't do what I did? Well, because you were yeah. the greatest player of all time. Yeah, That's exactly. why. And none of us are you. <laughs> yeah. So you can't expect that. Which just be happens better. For, yeah. yeah. It's not It's not advice or coaching. So. <laughs> uh, we'll move from that uh, really mm-hmm. quick. To the Jason Kidd story that just came out today. Yeah. He has decided to retire, which is good for the Knicks. Doesn't hurt, you know, you know. he wasn't doing much for us at this point. Well, he, pretty clear. he hasn't scored any points since, like, what, March? 97. <laughs> no, uh, but... It's the, uh, the Dallas uh, Mavericks. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but he's he's gone, so he decided to call it a career, which I guess is bowing out gracefully. I mean, yeah. hey, look. you know, he had a very serviceable backup role. You know, at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And he played that down to a guy who probably shouldn't have been on the court at the end. Yeah. You know, when he really wasn't, wasn't getting a lot of minutes. And, uh, you know, and the guy's great. He's a Hall of Famer. But specifically, how do you think it affects the Knicks? I think the only thing is his cap money. The, the 
Honestly, all it does is, is bring their luxury tax down, I think, at the end of the day. Right. The Knicks are already over the salary cap. They already have a mid-level exception and the ability to maybe sign J.R. Smith. Right. Uh, Jason Kidd doesn't really change that, although his contract is also off the books for next year, which might be more of an impact. I don't think it affects them too much this year in free agency, as far as I can tell, but it does give them the chance to, one, give somebody else maybe a little bit more playing time. Maybe you can go and draft somebody that goes and slots into that spot a little bit easier than you would have if you had committed to Kidd and Felton and Prigioni. Um, but more than that, I think next year it's a factor because he did sign a three-year contract the last offseason. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, and what, what else could you say? Kudos to a great career. Yeah. I mean, the guy's terrific. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he stays, uh, you know, away from the Hamptons. Yeah. And doesn't you know, do anything stupid. I think he's a guy his age. Yeah, really. I mean, come on. But As I, we're sitting here watching the... Yeah. Uh, Game 7, by the way, the Eastern Conference Finals going on right now, and the uh, the Heat are up slightly. They're up 7. It looks like, you know, watching the last couple of minutes as we're doing this, it looks like the Heat should be up by like 30. I mean, that was just <laughs> another easy bucket right there, so they're up 9, but uh, they're still within striking distance. You know, the Pacers are really not out of it, even though they're just, they look horrendous offensively. Like, okay. Miami's all over them right now, traveling. But anyway. <laughs> we talked about it before we went on. I mean, if they if Indiana was competent at all offensively, this might be a totally different series. And they they, they got it to a Game 7 without being good at yeah, all with no, the ball were, in their hands. If really. they were decent offensively, I think the series pro- might even be over. You know, yeah. uh, Miami's got a lot of problems that... Have it's been possible. And Wade, Wade's been banged up. And, yeah. You know, um... But I think the one thing that they're going to have to watch out for, as we kind of just look in live, I know we're yeah. kind of rambling a bit, but it's important to kind of, you know, just go with it and give you the feel for it. I think the one thing that they're going to have to look out for, the Pacers, that is, is that the start, and we're very late in the second quarter, the start of the third quarter is when Miami has been putting the hammer down yeah. and getting away from it. If they can keep this game close past that point, they have a chance. If they can't play their best basketball when the Heat play their best basketball, yeah. they're going to run away. This next four minutes is going to be big. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll keep you updated. We might have an update as, uh, as we wrap this up. Uh, last thing I'll say on Kid, uh, just as is reflecting on his long career as a Nick um, of one season, he... <laughs> He did have a major impact, I think, on changing the culture this season. You know, he came in as a leader. I think a lot of people fed off of that, and he was an effective ball player. He had, uh, at, at one point was hitting over 50% from three-point and was a huge part of that offense in that 18-5 and five start. So give a ton of credit to Kidd. He obviously wasn't there by the end of the year. He just physically broken down. I think that more than anything is why he retired. But I will look fondly upon him as a Nick, and, you know, I wish it had happened maybe a couple of years earlier where he could have made more of an impact. Now, more fondly than Rashid Wallace, or...? Uh, ball don't lie. Listen, that, those are, are Rashid's <laughs> words of wisdom, and I will be forever grateful for that. Sheed. Uh, I, I, I like Sheed, too. Listen, we I, hardly knew was, ye. This was a fun cast of characters for the Knicks this year. They weren't it was. quite good enough, uh, it was. unfortunately, but... Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have something better to look forward to next year. Speaking of cast of characters, we might have touched on this before, but do you bring back um, Kmart? Maybe, you know, I guess, I don't think he's a full-season player. I think he was perfect in that 20-30 game range at the end of the year. Right. I don't know if he can sustain it for 82-plus the playoffs. But if there are no better alternatives, then maybe you have to take a shot with that. I think you need some out of Camby next year. Camby Absolutely. nothing all Absolutely. He's, he's supposed to be that role that Martin and, and Wallace it really ended up being. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Camby. I think he's he's a big factor for them next season. And maybe, I think there's a harm, I guess, in signing Kenny Martin, but... He's, I don't know if he can sustain a, a full season. I think he might be like Sheed, where he'll go 60 games and they kind of burn himself out. Yeah, probably. I mean, the way he plays. But I think yeah. he gives you that edge. I mean, he's definitely when they brought him in, the defense was, was totally different. And they, they played with a lot of fire. Yeah. But um, 
All right, so real quick, moving on to um, something that if we talked and we did the podcast on time on Thursday, which we couldn't because of previous engagements that we both had going on, I would have been able to gloat a lot. No, yeah. But now I can't as much. But that is the Subway Series wrap-up. Totally unintentional for me to get here. On <laughs> sure, oh, after the sure. Mets have a letdown series against the Miami Marlins. Who I have... knew you guys had it in you. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. I knew we had it in us. Uh, listen, I knew we had it in us, too. Please, Ugh. believe it or not, I did not think that this was like, oh, now the Mets swept the Yankees and they're going to turn it around. Yeah. No, they're not that good. But, um... The Mets did sweep the Yankees, took four in a row in the Subway Series, that little home-and-home home new format. Which I hate, by the way. I mean, I may have said it was good, that it was great, but... You I loved it last you know, week! It is the worst idea ever. First of all, you need to play six games, or at least maybe seven, have an odd number so we can get a true winner. Um, <laughs> and don't play them all back-to-back. I need to see CC the bad you pitch. This is ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> obscene. We may play 11 times or something a- like that. We can't just play four <laughs> games in a row... You're well, singing a totally hurt. different tune now. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's absurd. I can't believe Major League Baseball. Nuts, right? No, but uh, <laughs> listen, the Mets looked really good against the Yankees in certain facets, but the name of the game was that they pitched well. The Yankees yeah. pitched very well, too. I mean, yeah. except for that one game, all the games were close. Yep. Um, but listen, the Mets had Markham pitch a gem. They had Harvey pitch a gem. Nice, and I think it was G the last game. Yeah. G, yeah. You know, all came yeah. out. And they, they pitched great. I mean, you're talking guys went seven innings. They did not walk a batter. It's insane, especially against the Yankees. The Yankees, that is the staple of the Yankees' offense. And naturally, the first batter of the next game against the Red Sox, Brett Gardner, led off the game with a walk. Well, of course, he was due. Somebody's going to walk at some point. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's a great, great call-out, because the fact that they went, I think it was 109 or 110 batters consecutively without walk, without a walk for the Yankees. I don't know if that, I guess maybe it was the whole Mets series, mm-hmm. but... Insane. Absolutely insane control and, and very well pitched. I mean, nine Which, times out of ten, you're going to win those games. Yeah. How many strikeouts did G have? Where, where did that come from? Uh, 12, I 12, think. 14, 70, yeah. it's obscene. Yeah. Who is that guy? I have no idea. Matt Harvey, I think. <laughs> I think, he I think Matt, Harvey, he sha- Matt Harvey shaved <sighs> his head. He put on a fake mustache, which the Mets have done before. You know, there is there is precedent for that <laughs> with Bobby a Valentine. There's serious history there, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I'm not sure if that was really Dylan G, but, yeah. you know, listen, we it's old news now. It happened, so we'll deal with it. I was happy, obviously, but you can't be too happy because the Mets are not very good. And, uh, you know, the Yankees have not been playing well after a terrific first, uh, you know, start. Um, Mets obviously just got swept in Miami, which is inexcusable. Yeah. Did they cancel the parade because of that? They that, canceled everything. I think terrible. the Mets canceled the rest of the season after they beat the Yankees. They yeah. figured, like, well, now we don't have to do anything. I can see that, yeah. I mean, they the Marlins have 16 wins. Yeah. They have six of them against the oh, Mets. Oh, wow. That's bad. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really bad. bad. I mean, not even Harvey could beat them. I saw, yeah, well, like, yeah. I flipped the game on. I knew he was starting. I wanted to see what was going on. So they gave up four runs in the first inning. I'm like, what? Where, where was this a week ago? They gave up three in the first and then one in the second. Yeah, and, uh, sure. you know, the first, the, in the first inning, they had a ball go over Ankiel's head, who, you know, was in there for defense. He misread the ball. Listen, the ball was smoked. Yeah. But uh, I think Ankiel probably has to catch that. If it's Lucas Duda, you're like, ah, whatever, he's terrible. In the outfield, but he's so in there fine. For defense and... Yeah, he's in there for defense and to you know to give you a little bit of power. And he's he's kind of regressed. He's been striking out a lot more, like he was with uh, 
um, Houston. He was yeah. striking out like over fifty percent of his at bats, which is why they released them. So, so he's hitting like a pitcher. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But he's he can't pitch, so it's a whole yeah. thing. But um, no, I mean, listen, they're going to be out there. These are the the cast of characters that the Mets are going to run out there. Yeah. But you cannot lose three in a row to the Marlins. And uh, the one the one silver lining, I guess, is that we're playing the Marlins at home next weekend. Oh, you get swept again by Harvey's that. pitching on Friday. Does he pitch again on Sunday? I, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I think that there's a realistic chance. Because he might be able to win the series if he pitches Friday and Sunday. Well, if he puts on his Dylan G mask, then yeah. maybe. Um, no, I, I think there's a realistic chance that... Um, the the mean Matt Harvey comes out and maybe pitches a no hitter. <laughs> yeah, the Marlins. No, that's, that's the true. one thing I'm banking on. Maybe we'll have a no hitter. That's the thing that I saw when he pitched his start in his start against the Yankees is that he was not losing that game. Like he was locked in. Yeah. and he gave up his run, and that was it. And he was keeping the team in it the whole way through, um, and gave the Mets a chance to come back. And he just. That that's the kind of guy that is going to be successful for a long time in the major leagues. And I think against the Marlins, he just kind of you know the the Adrenaline wasn't the same, you know? Yeah. You're pitching the first Subway Series start of your career. You're going up against, you know, the Yankees' ace, uh, you know, de facto ace in, in Hiroki Kuroda. Who's well, been the race this year, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you step up, you pitch a great game, you shrug off a line drive to the back or whatever happened to him. Where <laughs> Man, he, just, he is a beast. <laughs> he, like, scared off the trainer and the manager. To, like, Stay in that dugout! You know, <laughs> He's got that mentality, and I think he, he kind of a letdown game. Kind of, you know, one of those... It's a, you know, a trap game, to borrow yeah. the football term. Yeah. It really was. You know, it was a trap series for the yeah. Mets, really. Yeah. And, and know, I think that's uh, that might be why Mets fans kind of anticipated this a little bit, is, you know, this was a very high point. Not, I mean, for the fans, a lot of the fans were really into it. For the players as well, you know, this was a, a nice, you know, sort of reward for, for doing everything right and really focusing and, and buckling down for that series. And... Now you play Miami, who is the exact opposite of playing the Yankees. You play yeah. them all the time. They're not very good. There's nothing to really be up for. The stadium's in Miami. There's 14 um, people in the stands. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, there's two things I will say really quickly about the Miami series. One, Ike Davis has made some adjustments at the plate. There was some talk that he was going to get sent down. If they would have lost that game when the, the Mets came back against Rivera, yeah. it was uh, pretty much a foregone conclusion that him and Tejada were going down. They didn't want to do it off of a good feeling, yeah. big win, yeah, yeah. so they didn't. Tejada obviously got hurt. Right. He would have went on the DL no matter what. I think if he had yeah. like a, a, a split Hang fingernail, yeah. yeah, he was going on the DL. They brought up Quintanilla, who's made some errors, but he's hit well. Yeah. But Davis has made some adjustments. He looks better. Yeah. He's not all the way back, but he's climbing back, so let's see what happens there. And the other thing I will say, the Miami Marlins have a guy playing right field for them right now. Big prospect. His name is Marcel Ozuna. Sure. He is hitting about 370. Wow. He came up uh, the day after Stanton got hurt um, playing against the Mets, actually, last time they were up here. Right. And he's been on a complete tear. Yeah. They also have a guy, uh, Christian Yelich, who is supposed to be a complete and total stud, who is on the verge of getting called up himself. Right. And their next best prospect is a center fielder that they think will, you know, definitely be able to play with the glove. They're not sure how well he's going to hit. But they have three top outfield prospects. And that's got me thinking, maybe, just maybe, between the trade deadline and the offseason, that the Mets have what it takes to pry away Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins. That is my positive thinking for Mets fans that might be listening to this. We got some guys. We got some pitching in the minors. Go for it. 
I think you're going to be upset when you get traded for Vidal Nuno and Man, uh, <laughs> uh, Manny Manuelos, um, and maybe like Ichiro's expiring contract or something. But you know, it's cute. He's going to make a great Yankee. He's going to be a huge piece for the, the stretch run. A Rod's bat, you know, coming back into the lineup, then throwing Stanton in there in right field. It's going to really just round out that order and put the Yankees where they're supposed to be. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I really do. I stand by the fact. That I think the Mets have the pieces to get it done. They got Syndergaard. They got Montero. They got Flores. They got some pieces that are yeah. on the verge. I don't even think they have to give up Wheeler to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm also banking on the fact that the Miami Marlins are stupid, which they've proved to be. Yeah. So that's that's part of it, but. It's, it it's, bodes well for your, you know, your point as well. Because yeah. I think the Yankees have a, a long history of taking good players from bad teams and making them better. They um, do. Whereas the Mets a have a, uh, a long history of taking good players from good teams and making them worse. Yeah. So, yeah. Although, that's true. you got Piazza from the Marlins, so that's maybe bank on that. That's, that's I'm hoping. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, can we trade Preston Wilson again? Yeah, that's... that's that, I would do it. I would do it again. I would trade Preston Wilson for Stanton right now. <laughs> Although, the way straight the outfield's up. playing... Straight up, really? Straight up, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. But the way the outfield's playing, I would take Preston Wilson <laughs> <laughs> to play right field right now. So, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, I'd take Mookie Wilson to play right field right now. <laughs> I would take a Wilson outfielder's glove on a stick in right field. What about Wilson from the movie Castaway? <laughs> you know what? He's got to have more range than Lucas Duda. Yeah, he can so, roll around out there. Yeah, he could really move. It's a stiff breeze in City, City Field, I remember. So. <laughs> oh, my <sighs> God. No, what, what, what can we say about the Mets? we got to have some fun because... They're the Mets, and this is what we're doing. This is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wheeler might be up in another week or so. I keep hearing about that. So it still hasn't happened. I, I've we'll been see. saying it since we've started. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple months now, and Wheeler still hasn't been here. Yeah. But uh, I really think that it's going to happen now. By uh, by all accounts, he's very close. Yeah. He's healthy, and um, now they're just kind of finagling with that Super 2 date, which... A lot of people are going to get on the Mets for it in all seriousness about the financials and, oh, just call him up if he's the best player. Listen, if there was a need and he was ready in May, you call him up. Yeah. But if he wasn't ready and the Super 2 cutoff is the 16th of June, yeah. why are you calling him up on June 10th? I mean, yeah. you've got to agree with me on yeah. that. That no, doesn't absolutely. make sense. I mean, you're going to one start and then have to pay him... You know, $10 million in two years, that's yeah. crazy. And burning you're off his contract to make him free agent eligible a year sooner. It's, you know, that's silly. That's insane. The only reason I would say to do it, it would be if you're competing. You're, you know, you're tied for the lead in the wild card and you're trying to catch the division leader. Then, you know, it's I think it's, it's a waste to put out a lesser player as opposed to starting the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win. But you're going nowhere. You know, Absolutely. You're not, it's, it's stupid to go and waste that on him. Let him keep getting his seasoning. There's still plenty of games to play later in the year to get the experience you want him to get this season. Right. Plus, fine. he's going to have an innings limit like they did with yeah. Harvey last year. You know, they only like to jump about 50 or so innings, you yeah. know, year to year. So, listen, he's not going to save the season this year. I'm sure he's going to be very good. I'm sure he's going to be better than some of the guys that are running out there. You know, Colin McHugh made a uh, spot start for John Neese, yeah. who had a little back issue, you know, on Saturday. He should be fine and in there in his next turn. But, uh, listen, you got to be patient because it's not going to make a difference. It's it's just not. Yeah. So, we move on from the Mets. We hope for Wheeler. We hope for Darno, who got his walking boot off today, by the way. Oh, and he's going to St. Lucie. So, hopefully they'll bring him up soon because, you know. Yeah, might as well. I, I, 
Come on. They're not going to have to amputate his foot like they did with Ike Davis's walking boot, right? I hope they got not. got it off, like, with, you know, a safety scissor or something to make sure the, you know, the foot was still there. I'm not sure. All right. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything since this afternoon. Yeah. A lot of time has passed. There's been several hours transpiring, yeah. so I don't know. He might be like Herschel from The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Herschel can catch, too, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But transitioning, uh, just real quick before we get to the Yankees, Miami's up by... 13 right now with 17 seconds left in the second quarter. So going back to your point, if Indiana comes out flat and starts the third period and Miami makes the adjustments they Dunzo. make, this might be a, a very yeah. anticlimactic game seven. Yeah, you um, can see them winning, like going away 28 yeah, points, yeah, something crazy. Which, you know, the home court's been big, you know, for Miami all season. So, you know, we'll see how that turns out. But uh, to go back to the Yankees, this is, I mean, really just a terrible week. Like, if you say, all right, Tom, here's how your week's going to go. You're going to get swept by the Mets. You're going to lose two out of three to the Red Sox, and you're going to drop from first place to second place and be bordering on third place. Uh, you don't sign up for that, you know? Well, no. No, then, you wouldn't. Then you throw but on top. You got you and Teixeira back and Pettit tonight. Towards so. the end of it, yeah. Um, but, ugh, it's just, it's not good, you know, having to listen. And I, I, I did my best. I tried to keep my mouth shut. I didn't want to go and, and rain on Met fans' parades. I really wanted to. I wanted to drop a lot of, you know, oh, 27 rings. I've been to a bunch of parades. You guys are terrible. I hate everything about your family. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. I kept, you know, I, I was quiet. I was trying to be very respectful. Um, it was it was tough, though, you know, to watch that, to see those games go down, to see Rivera blow a save like that. You know, obviously, I think he was due, you know, he goes 18 in a row. It's the second longest streak of his career before right. bringing a save. You know, I saw that going And in. listen, he didn't get knocked around. You know, he ran into the hottest part of the Mets lineup. Yeah. You know, Daniel Murphy put a good swing on a cutter that was tailing away. Yep. And, uh, you know, just kind of dropped it in there down yeah. the left field it line. A, it was a bloop. Daniel yeah. Murphy was, has been on fire. David Wright came up. That ball is, you know, three feet over to the left. It's yeah. a, a ground out to the shortstop. It got through. Yep. And then Duda got jammed. Yeah. And was able to muscle it out, but that's what dude, I mean, he's a strong dude. That's what you expect, you know, if he, if he can get the, the bat out enough, yeah. fight it off. Yes. Listen, these things happen, and we've seen him lose games before. It's not like the Mets came in and hit, you know, three home runs in a row and, yeah. and walked off like a powerhouse. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's, you hate to see it. It sucks. I hate, you know, I hate losing games like that, and I think it would have helped to salvage a game out of this series, but... You know what happens? It's it's a series, and they kind of move on. They they struggled since then, uh, and I think what happened in the Mets series is the, the Yankees' lack of depth really got exposed. You know, these guys have been up for a while now, and you know they've they've been successful. They kind of been doing a little bit with smoke and mirrors, these minor league players, and you know fitting in these veteran guys. But Vernon Wells went ice cold. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Overbay didn't do much for us. There were a lot of guys. They couldn't there. use Hafner for two games. Yeah, playing in City, City Field. Field, absolutely. I think that was a major factor in their lineup. So. You know, you start to see these chinks in the armor, and, you know, I think, like you said, you have Euclid's back, you have to share it back in the offense. That's a huge boost to your lineup. Yeah. To share hit a grand slam tonight, the Yankees are up uh, 7 4 in the seventh. Yeah, which is, you know, what you need to do against Cleveland, too, is bounce back, kind of reclaim home field a little bit after losing the two at Yankee Stadium and, and losing two out of three to Boston. Um, you know, you look at what that does to the, the Yankee lineup, you have two guys who have on base percentages over 350 all the time, you have two guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. So you guys can hit the ball out from the right side of the plate, which is big for them against mm-hmm. lefties who they've struggled with this year. Um, so between all that, these are obviously good signs. Pettit coming back to the rotation is another piece of depth that you have there, so that's huge. Uh, I guess he struggled maybe a little bit tonight. We haven't been watching, so I can't really speak to it. But four runs in, you know, we're the seventh inning now. is not a bad start by any stretch. 
But that's that's really where they need to get is get healthy and now just stay healthy. That's that's yeah. the key. If they're going to go on a run now and, and maybe you know when the schedule gets a little bit tougher as we go a bit further into the month, you're going to need these guys to be 100. percent And you're going to need to be adding guys into the lineup and not just taking one broken piece out and putting a new fixed piece in. Right. So we'll see. It's interesting. I I, I feel okay about it. I think this right now. Has helped assuage my fears a little bit because losing six out of seven is is a pretty bad sh- as bad a week as you can have essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I had a little bit of hope after winning that first game of the Red Sox series. Dropped two straights, very disappointing. We'll see. You know that's that's kind of where we're at right now with the Yankees. You know I think overbased on the team, which is interesting. Um, Played right field it. tonight. Did he really? Yeah, they started him in that. right field. Well, they they had to make a move obviously to bring Pettit back. Right, and they sent uh, Bosch down. Yeah, they sent down Brendan Bosch who. Uh. I, well, I think the thing is, is that he has options. Okay. So they send him to AAA. Yeah. And if this Overbay experience, uh, experiment, not yeah. experience, experience. <laughs> the Overbay experience, it sounds like a terrible uh, roller coaster. No, it's his uh, band. Yeah. <laughs> they play his mom's bass, and they're really good. <laughs> but uh, no, if the Overbay thing doesn't work out, you know, you can always designate him for assignment or release him, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and again, they have some wiggle room with uh, Adams, who's come up and played very yeah. well. He has options. Yeah. So I think they're going to kind of let those two guys who have played the best, you know, stick. Like, play yeah. on some merit. You know, they've been here. they produced. Let's see what kind of roles they can fill. And, you know, if Overbay can play a little outfield for you, that gives you a little bit of uh, maneuverability. Plus, you don't know how healthy Teixeira is and how yeah. healthy Euclid really are. So if you cut bait with him and somebody else picks him up and then, you know, next week Teixeira's got to go on the 15-day because his wrist isn't quite right, and now you lost that depth. Yeah. Whereas at least with Bosch, you can just call him back up. So it's a strange move, but it's, it's been kind of a strange year for the Yankees with this whole, you know, self-imposed threshold that yeah. they're trying to stay under. Look, if, if Vernon Wells could play, I think it was third base, you know, the other day, I think all things are on the table. It, if Overbay could play the outfield at all, then I'm okay with it. You know, I'll give it a shot. I don't think he's ever played another position since high school. So that's kind of putting him in a tricky spot. He's never started a game yeah. in the outfield. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I think, a tough place to put a guy like that, especially an established Major League first baseman like that. But yeah. if he's willing to do it, he's going to go out there. I mean, I think he realizes this is probably the only way he can stick with the Yankees, knowing the is on the team and you have Hafner in his spot. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's, it's a little frightening, but I guess right field in the Yankee Stadium is pretty close. It's not like a, there's a ton of ground to cover out there. It's not like playing right field in City Field. I'll yeah, that. but again, that does limit your options a little bit more, right? If it's only he can play right field at home in certain situations, in certain matchups, you know, we'll see. You know, I guess it's, I, I will say I think this is Girardi trying to do what you said, reward guys for doing well, and play to the veterans in the clubhouse. I think the veterans appreciate when guys do their job well, getting the chance to stick around and maybe continue to earn their spot. Absolutely. And again, with the young guy, you know, keeping Adams around. Yeah. Because he came up and really provided a, a, a bit of a spark for him when yeah. they didn't really know what they had with him. And I'm pretty sure that he played, uh, he's playing third base tonight. Yeah. I think they DH'd yeah. uh, Euclid, so. No, it makes sense. And that's good, too. I think that's another important part is you can go and try and keep Euclid off the field a little bit, get him, make sure he doesn't, you know, overstretch himself, come back from his injury too much. Absolutely. Um, so he's a versatile piece. I think Adams eventually might be sent down once Euclid um, does get full, to full strike, just to keep Adams getting regular at-bats. Probably. Um, you don't want to get him on bench and cold. You want him to keep playing because he does have options. I think it'd be silly to take him out. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think it's a good... A decent place to be. This week is important. I think they, they really need to bounce back against Cleveland and, and just kind of right the, shi- right the ship a little bit. Um, but 
you know, uh, this week was not good. Between this, our softball game did not go very well. Our softball Sunday. game did not go very Sorry, well. Sorry, Gus. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hurt my back a little bit, too, so that's not good. Well, this is my first game back from the broken leg. Broken leg. Congratulations. So, You're yeah. off the DL. I'm off the DL. No I was not 100%. Like but a champion. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was, yeah. it was good. A little sore, um, but, you know, whatever. But overall, the weekend, not good. You know, uh, you know, Game of Thrones was was a show that I'm not going to spoil or anything, but you know, no. overall, just really not a good week for me right now. We we may we may give you guys a little special treat. Um, we're we wrap this up in a minute, but we may uh, do a little secondary podcast. I know we're here to mostly talk about sports and provide our our uh, insights on that, but uh, we might have to talk about Game of Thrones think, a little bit. Like I can't get over it, and I think this is the only. It's a little cathartic to go through this process and speak about what I saw. Yeah, um, and I don't watch it. Don't I'm sorry. Don't listen to us if you haven't seen it, or if you don't even watch the show, then don't listen to us either because I don't want you to go in and know anything about this because you just you should be watching the show. Watch it now. Way. Yes. Yeah. Um, you HBO should definitely go, be doing that. Friend, do something. <laughs> watch this show from beginning to end, and you will not be disappointed. But we got to talk about it, and I, I'm I. This is my idea. I need to flip the script a little bit. I need to do this. So um, that's I mean that's the sports that we were going to talk about today. Um, you know, hopefully things get better in that end, and, uh, you know, hopefully if you're watching Game of Thrones, then maybe you can stick around for us for another, you know, another little bit, and we can talk about it. You know what? I I would love to talk about it, because I, I need some kind of, I need some kind of release. I need to get yeah. it off my chest, because I was catatonic last yeah. night when yeah. I watched it. Way to for, it. I was just stone cold, no expression for like 20 minutes. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So and that's the mark of good television. I think that's why we <laughs> talk about it. So, so we're going to regroup, um... Hopefully the Mets and Yankees will regroup a little bit too as yeah. we uh, move forward into the summer. We were uh, a third of the way through the season, yeah. and uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe the Mets will get Giancarlo Stanton. Probably not by the next time we talk to you guys. I can't wait till the Yankees. So exciting! <laughs> if he's a Yankee, I'm going to be so mad. Be I might have to heartbroken. I might have to quit the podcast. I don't yeah. think I can talk to you about it. Yeah. You'll have to fly solo that uh, week or something because I won't be here. Hey, listen, if I was able to do this week, following everything that happened this week, then you're going to have to deal with the Yankees stealing your best player from underneath your nose. All right, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, I'm Tom. And I'm John. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. The New York 20 is brought to you by brooms. Push brooms, dust pans, swiffers, even rakes. Anything you can use to sweep away garbage.